to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're blessed by this week's message. All right, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Amen. My name is John Lampanero. I am uh, been a member of this church for like long, long time, and uh, I am currently the director of spiritual growth Woo! at New Hope. Um, what does a director of spiritual growth do? I don't. Know, I haven't done anything yet, so I don't know if I can tell you what they do. But uh, they're going to do something soon, or they won't be the director of spiritual growth long. <laughs> Ah, God speaks prophetically to his people, and uh, he uses uh, human beings uh, to deliver his word to individuals, and it's nothing that's terribly mystical. Um, It's pretty straightforward that God spoke through prophets, Old Testament and New Testament, to encourage his people and to to, uh, encourage them, to exhort them, and to comfort them. So with your permission, I'd like to prophesy over a few people this morning. I think that would be good. And uh, what I'm going to do is ask you your first name. Turn the the lights on? What? Oh, no, we're good. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you your first name just so we can get it on the recording. Also, if this is not for you, you're not in the mood, or this is not the right time for you, you can say no. It's all right. I'm not going to impose anything upon you. So, uh, well, you know, um, actually, second, you, yeah, you. What's your first name? Desiree. 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 You know, uh, in, in Churchville, there's an old flour mill. It's one of the few ones that's left in uh, Monroe County. Uh, Monroe, Monroe County used to be known as the flour city. Not only flowers, but flour, baking flour, cooking flour. And if you look at this building, there's a lot of uh, chutes and tanks and, and pipes that come down, and you, as you drive by it, you can look into it and see how they used to mill flour. They still do, actually. Great, I think it's called the Great Western Milling. And I saw you almost as standing there underneath one of these large chutes, and the Lord was channeling, He was moving these pipes, kind of refitting them, and so that numerous of these pipes were coming right down on top of you. It wasn't just like one or two, it was like six or seven or eight. He was very busy redirecting these pipes of blessing to come into your life. And uh, that the Lord is saying you're coming into a season of blessing from many areas. The Lord's just, be, it's kind of a humorous picture, and that's sometimes how we get prophetic. As you were standing there in this flower, which represented blessing in this case, was just piling up on top of you. It was just piling and piling, and you were standing there and it was just like your arms were just kept building up. But you're coming into a season of significant blessing from many sources. And that you're just to say yes. And he even said that, that your testimony will be delayed. Because every time you want to give a testimony, a new pipe will open up. And you'll say, I better wait so I can give the complete testimony. And then another one opens up. So it's like, okay, Lord, man, this is great, all right? It's good. And then, then another one. But you're going to be in the season of a lot and a lot and a lot coming to you. Um, I know it's uh, Diane, Diane Powell. I, I, is this good? This works for you? I saw the Lord almost putting a smile on your face in a sense that it was one that it was, it was you couldn't get rid of, that there's a smile and a joy <clears throat> coming to you that and I saw you smiling. 
and people coming up to you and saying, why are you smiling? And there'll be seasons where you'll just say, I don't know, but I'm just joyful. There'll be times when you'll know why the Lord is favoring and smiling upon you. And there'll be other times you won't know, but you'll still be joyful and happy. This, this smile is like kind of like a, a permanent stuck-on-you smile. And the Lord is going to do a work in you <clears throat> so that that smile is, uh, it, it stays solid and permanent in your life. It's not something that comes and goes. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. Let it happen. Let the joy of the Lord come. Let the smile be from a source that's not from you. You don't have to work it up. He's going to bring it to you. Yeah. Amen. For uh, 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 Jim and Heidi, could I? Uh, uh, is this good? Jim and Heidi. I, I, wa you know, I watch a lot of movies about superheroes. I don't understand a lot of them. Um, it's, I think it's the next generation. I know jo Josiah, was Josiah was here. But, you know, I know some of the superheroes, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. I know those guys. But there's a lot of them. They, I guess they were always there, and I never knew it. Uh, you know, but I, I, so I'm learning my superheroes. Um, I want to be a good student. And so, I, but I saw the two of you, as the Lord was saying, you are superheroes. There is gifts and superpower uh, in your life that hasn't been tapped yet. Uh, it's almost as if I watched you and, and like you began to like hulk or muscle up. And the Lord was beginning to just download, download, download. You're coming into a season um, of significant superhero kind of stuff. Uh, you need to start thinking out of the box. Uh, you need to start thinking differently about things that the Lord wants to begin to see greater like um, expression, manifestation through your lives. You are in no way insignificant in the kingdom. You are in no way insignificant <clears throat> in the kingdom uh, that the Lord is just downloading good, good, good to you. Amen? Superhero stuff. I don't know which ones. I wouldn't, might not get the right ones. Um, amen. All right, we're going to pray for the speaker now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I know this guy. And uh, he wants to do the right thing. Lord, you'd show him which way to go. You'd direct his steps and his mouth, that he would say what you want to say, that he'd know what to leave in and what to take out, Lord, and that you would use him to speak a kairos word, something that fits for today for new hope, Lord, and that he would be a blessing. Um, he has family here, so he doesn't want to do anything stupid. <laughs> so I pray that you would help him to just uh, not say anything that's unkind or insensitive. But to let his, let his speech be filled with grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have uh, never, I have not in a long time been in a season that I am in right now where I really feel that God is turning my world upside down. 
And I'm 61 years old. This should all be done by now. Uh, I should have worked through all the difficult things. I should be mature and perfect, lacking nothing. Um, I, I reached a, uh, I had an individual, Deborah, you know, many of you know Deborah Klein, send me a prophetic word, an email. And uh, I don't really solicit prophetic words a lot. Uh, I believe strongly that when you get a prophetic word, you're on the hook. You, you need to pray it through. Uh, I don't believe in collecting prophetic words. And I know that when you receive one, that you're responsible to shepherd it and to care for it. Uh, it's not just like candy you throw in your pocket. But she sent me this prophetic word, and she said she saw God. She saw me standing at my bed, and I had a suitcase open, and I was packing my suitcase. Now, this is not an unusual scene for me. I travel a lot for my company, and every time I pack my suitcase, it goes on the bed, and I pull out all the clothes. And you know, you pack, you try to figure out what I'm going to wear on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday night and whatever. And I have work clothes, and I have going out clothes, that kind of stuff, clubbing clothes, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know for some of you that was not a good visual, was it? <laughs> so there's my suitcase laid out on the bed, and, and so she pictured the Lord was standing next to me, and as I was packing, he kind of reached in and grabbed something, and I had these uh, certain bits of clothing that I've worn a long time, and they were kind of worn and tattered, and he would grab it, and he would say, John, do you think you need this for the journey you're going on? And I would look at it, and I would say, no, Father, I don't think, and he would take it, and he would throw it away. And then and as I continued to pack, he'd grab something else. He'd say, John, do you think you really need this? And I'd say, no, Lord. No, Lord. Let's, I don't think I'm going to take that with me. And he'd say, okay, can I have it? And I'd say, sure, good. And he would throw it away. And I'm kind of in that season of my life right now where God's telling me, John, if you want to go on this journey, <clears throat> there's some stuff we got to get rid of. <clears throat> and so, um, it, which explains a lot of my uh, struggling to compose myself because it's been this way for weeks now where I've just kind of watching him put fingers on stuff that I thought I dealt with, you know? But I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. All right, so you ready? I'm going to read to you a little bit. We're going to actually begin the service, or the sermon. You ready? Okay. I have my big word Bible because I did not bring my glasses today. <laughs> Ready? I'm going to read to you. Get your Bible reading in for today. This will count for that. Uh, you ready? Hey, I don't think many of you would go there this morning on Family Fun Day. James 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect man, able to bridle both, bridle the whole body as well. Now that is a hard scripture to, for someone who's speaking to begin their sermon on. Not many of you become teachers. Well, that was good, guys. Hey, praise God. And uh, because that's a hard word, you know. This whole chapter is hard. But it's going to be good by the time I get done with it, if I do it right. All right? Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they obey us, we direct the entire body as well. 
Look at the ships also, though they are great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. See how great a forest is set afire by such a small flame. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among the members that, of that which defile the entire body and sets, on, and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison, and with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse man who have been made in the image of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out the same, both uh, fresh and bittersweet? From the same opening, both fresh and bittersweet? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There you got your, you got your reading in for the day, James 3. Again, I, you're probably saying, John, this is family fun day. People are dressed in shorts with sneakers on. And you decided to go to James 3. We're going to talk about the tongue, how it sets things on fire and burns stuff down, and it's the world of iniquity. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> We're going to go out to the picnic area. We're all going to sit down, and nobody's going to talk to each other. <laughs> perfect. Mark and Josiah are like, perfect, John. We got the Luigias for nothing. This is... This is a hard, this is a hard chapter, stuck in the middle of a hard book. James is the older, a younger brother of Jesus. Some say that there is no word James or name James in Hebrew. His name really is um, Jacob. We won't, immaterial either way to me. It's a hard, hard book. Because James does not pull any punches. He just like square. I mean, this comes on the heels of, remember, faith without works? That, that's earlier. That's like numbered in the second chapter. Faith without works. Showing the sin of partiality. Somebody comes into your, into your church and they're dressed really nice and you escort them up front. Somebody comes in in rags and you make them sit in the back. He's just laying everybody out. I bet you James didn't get invited to a lot of parties. I bet you he probably doesn't get invited to a lot of picnics either, you know? It's so like if he was walking around out in back and you had a seat next to you, you'd be like, Joe, Joe, come here, sit here. I don't want him sitting next to me. You know, he's just a hard dude. This stuff is hard. We talk about the tongue. You know, there's a lot of kind of common misunderstandings in Christianity, things that we've come to accept, and we just say them and we mimic them and we repeat them, and we need to kind of think about what we're saying, Right? And I realize this is some of the 
some of the garments the Lord is pulling out of my hands that I, he's not going to let me pack anymore. So uh, this is like fresh. This is like fresh stuff. Um, the, there's one that if you're a Christian, everything's smooth. You're always going to get the parking space closest to the store. Your car won't break down, right? Your kids will grow, all grow up to be in the ministry, right? Because that's the dream of Christians. All our kids grow up to be in the ministry. I'm not putting that down, but I mean, how many people can we have in churches? You know, like everybody's kid is a minister. Uh, uh, sorry, that was extra. Um, but, you know, we th- there, 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 it's kind of a misunderstanding that if I become a Christian, everything's going to be smooth and wonderful. And new Christians struggle because they become Christians and they're in a honeymoon with Jesus and things are great and everything's wonderful. And then something goes in the tank and they don't know how to handle it. And somebody lied to them and said to them, well, now you're a Christian, everything will be wonderful. No, it won't be wonderful. The difference is that you have somebody with you now. You don't have to walk through this stuff alone. And he can give you wisdom, and he can help you out. And he can cause all things to work together for the good, I heard this somewhere, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what he does. That's how he likes, that's kind of how he gets our attention, is right about the time we're about to say, boy, this is going in the dumper. He just kind of turns it a little bit, and you go, uh, how did that happen? Something amazing happened, and I could have not predicted it, and he did it. You know what I mean? Um, other things that we think about that are kind here's another one we're all just sinners saved by grace right we're sinners saved by grace it sounds good doesn't it sounds humble i'm just a sinner saved by grace right fact of the matter is you can only be one or the other you can only be a sinner or you can only be saved by grace like you can't be sort of pregnant you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant, right? You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. You're a saint. Because when you get saved, what happens to the sinner? He's dead. Christ killed him on the cross, took him to the cross. The old nature is dead. So to say, I'm a dead person saved by grace, it it doesn't work, right? I get it. I don't jump on people when they say it. But you're a saint of God. You're a child of God. Washed in the blood, forgiven, healed, restored. God has called you into his home. He's adopted you. You're not just some sinner. Struggling around, falling, bloodying your nose, can't figure heads from tails. You're one of God's kids now. Can't be both. Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, August 4th, Steve preached a message called Heart Check. And he was talking about Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked, right? Who were here for that? Who was here? Okay, and he talked about his life scripture is guard your heart from out from it come the issues and matters of life. But he said in Jeremiah, there's a scripture that says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? And a lot of Christians carry that also into the new life, into the new covenant. That you always have to be careful because your heart is desperately wicked, right? Can you go to the next slide? There it is. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So it's always like this warning. Even though you got saved, the best thing that happened to you is coming to know Jesus and you're living a new life and you're born again. You always got to be careful because your heart is deceitful and wicked, right? It's just kind of like 
ooh, I gotta really be careful. Like somehow in my own power, I could manage my own heart, right? In uh, New American Standard, it says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? There's an outside chance that this verse was really mistranslated. All right. The word is not really deceitful. It's deceptive. If I, was a, if I was to say about someone, well, there's Sammy Pernicano in the back, all right? If I was to say to you, Sam's size is deceptive because he's much more strong. He's much more strong and powerful than he looks physically. He's a strong guy. But his looks are deceptive. It's a different word. You get it? It doesn't mean he's purposefully being deceitful. The heart is deceptive. In other words, it's deep. It, has, it is a deep thing to understand. That's why it says the heart is deceptive above all else and desperately sick, or it means chronically sick. Who can understand it? What's the answer to who can understand it? God. God's the only one that can understand the human heart as deep and as it's deceptive to other human beings, but God's the only one that can look into the heart and understand it. That's really what that verse means. But a lot of Christians carry that over, and they think that it's something that they have to manage. And I know this uh, particularly because I've been doing a lot of study on this verse. And I've found all sorts of stuff out there, but I found numerous places that talked about, you know, the human heart. What is the human heart? It's the mind, the will, and the emotions, right? Supposedly, that's what they, the heart, when Scripture talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, well, how you think, your will, your volition, and your emotions, right? That's kind of like the heart. But if you walk around life as a new believer thinking that your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, how do you function? No, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, and it's something that we carry around with us not knowing that it's not true. Next slide. There's actually verses in Ezekiel, and Steve, Steve I'm kind of reteaching a little bit of his message, where it says, I will give them, God is speaking, Ezekiel prophet speaking to the children of Israel. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove from them a heart of stone, and I will give them a heart of flesh, and they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Right? That's the promise. The promise is when you come to the Lord, you get a heart exchange. The stone goes, and he gives you a heart of flesh. I know a lot of you are nodding your head, right? But this is what really happened. Again, down in Ezekiel 36. And the, listen to the words, because we're going to... I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and you will follow my decrees. The factor, the truth of the matter is, is that when you're born again, when you bow your knee and you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you get lots of stuff. And I've talked about this in the past. God does back the truck up. And you get more stuff, you spend the rest of your life figuring out all the good stuff you got when you bowed your knee to Jesus. Not for any other reason is eternal life. Eternal life with him. But you get a new heart. And Steve talked about this August 4th. He takes out the heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. He changes us. Who made the heart of flesh? Who, ma who made the heart of 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's speaking? God. Maybe I left that out. <laughs> Let's try this again. God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Who made the heart? Ah, good, thank you. It was either him or Jesus, right? Because Jesus is always the Sunday school answer to everything, right? Yes. Hello? Don't you hate it when that happens? Um, God put in every new believer a heart of flesh. Go to the next slide, please. This is our new covenant heart. See, now I have to make sure I use new covenant, New Testament verses, right? Because I'm building, I'm building a, for, a foundation here, right? And this is, all this stuff is in the New Testament part of the New Covenant. Gabish? Okay. Second Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, now flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Pure heart. A pure heart. Acts. Peter is talking to the other, uh, to the other apostles in Jerusalem. And he says, you know, God, uh, who knows the heart, testified to give them the same Holy Spirit as he did us, just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between Jews and Greeks and them cleansing their hearts by faith. Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled clean. Sound familiar? Ezekiel. Sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Romans, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now, if your heart is desperately wicked, that means like basically the Holy Spirit has to share a bunk room with your desperately wicked heart. I know that sounds stupid to word it like that, but that's what the implication is. Here's my desperately, they're bunk, they have bunk beds in a room. Can you imagine? They're like cellmates. And there's this desperately wicked heart and the Holy Spirit comes in with his luggage. He goes, all right, I got to share the rest of my life with this guy. Or the heart saying, I got to share the rest of my life with this guy. It doesn't make sense. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the spirit is now residing in your heart. I got to tell you, the spirit's cool, but he's not putting up with any desperate heart stuff. He ain't moving in until the heart's clean. The heart doesn't get clean until a person bows to Jesus. He's no dummy. Next slide. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell. And you're getting crowded in that room. We better put a third bed in. Uh, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we got Christ, the Holy Spirit, and desperate heart all living in the same cell. Can't be good. Now it's two to one. <laughs> Hebrews. And he's talking about the ministry, the ministry of Jesus. This is the new covenant. It's superior to theirs as covenant, which he is a mediator, is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. Verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with my people of Israel. See if this sounds familiar declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and on their hearts. 
I will write them, and they will be my God, and I will be their people. You have a new heart. God made your new heart. He took out the stone, and he, your heart of stone, and he gave you a heart of flesh, and God makes good things. Who of you, who has a son, asked him for, a, for bread, he'd give him a stone? Asked for a fish, he'd give him a scorpion or a snake? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more the Father of lights gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? I heard that somewhere. Right? God has made your heart. You have a good, say, I have a good heart. Say, I have a good heart. Because you do. God made that thing. That's a good heart. The best guy you could have hired and contracted to make your heart is God. And he, and he did. Top of the line. Now, we all know this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We quote it, quote it sometimes. I do at nauseum, but I like it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Now, you've heard this before. I'm going to say it again for those of you who are new. This word new right here is kano, all right? This is kano, new. And it doesn't mean like Mark. Let's say Mark had a brand new 2019 Chevy Malibu. Not bad. What color should it be? Should be bigger? All right. Let's say... Let's say Jen has got a brand new 2019 Chevy Malibu. Brand spanking, right? What color? Red. Nice. Red Chevy Malibu. Now, I picked middle of the road. I didn't go foreign. And I did, you know, I got, like, you're middle of the road, in case we got any, um, I only buy American car people here. So, brand new. 2019 red Chevy Malibu, loaded, loaded, leather, sunroof, everything, Bluetooth, okay. Let's say, unfortunately, you wrap that sucker around a tree and total it. You walk away unscathed, praise God, because bad things don't happen to Christians. <laughs> but let's say you total the car, and I was able to get you a new car, brand spanking new. We're going to replace it with a brand new Chevy Malibu. Only it's going to be from the year 2035. I am somehow going to be able to go into the future and get a Chevy Malibu that's been made in the year 2035. Now, first of all, can you even comprehend what kind of features that car is going to have? It will probably be a hovercraft, <laughs> right? So I'm going to replace your 2019, which is a cool car to begin with. It's very nice, brand new, with something that was made in 2035. It doesn't even have wheels. It just hovers, like Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker Malibu, all right? It'll be LSM edition, right? So everyone else is driving down the roads. You're cutting through fields. You can go anywhere you want. Straight, you can, you know, when you get to the toll booths on the throughway, you go around them. You can go wherever you want on your hovercraft. As high as you want, as low, or right across water. You can just follow the river all the way down to... Hovercraft, how cool is that? That's what new means. New means, new means I'm going to read it to you. New, that which is superior to that which it succeeds, previously non-existent. He gave, he made us a new creation. Not just like 
the same model, same year, but he put things inside of you when he made you a new creation that are beyond comprehension. That's what new creation means. The old things have passed away. All things have become new or new, new things have come. Does that include the heart? Now let's say we're back to Mark. And he gets that 2019, and I give him another brand new 2019. But I tell you, Mark, we had problems with the transmission. So I took the old busted-up transmission from your old Malibu, and I stuck it in the new one. You okay with that? He said, no way. I want a new transmission. I want a new car. I want a new transmission. How could God save you, redeem you, bring you back, make you a new creation, and leave your old heart in you? It's almost like setting you up to fail, right? That's almost mean. Because every time you try to do something right, your heart's like working against you. It's desperately wicked. You've got to kill that sucker. You need a new heart. And as Steve t- spoke about, your heart, you have to tend it. You have to tend your heart. You have to take care of your heart. It doesn't, doesn't, just doesn't automatically gush cool stuff, right? You have to, yeah, you got to tend it. You've got to put good stuff in it. You've got to tend the garden. You've got to take thoughts captive. You gotta let offenses go. You gotta forgive people. You gotta see the big picture. You can't hold on to stupid little stuff. You gotta guard your heart. You gotta tend your heart. All right? It's not on autopilot. You're engaged in the process. You have a free will. (gasps) Yeah, you still got a free will. You still gotta take care of your heart. But it's a good heart. Right? It's good. Let's go to the next slide. You want to go back? We're going to go back. We're going back to James. We're going back to James. Because there was a reason I read it at the beginning. Stick with me. I'm trying to get to something. I said all that to say this. James says, if we put a bit into the horse's mouth so that they obey us, we direct the entire body as well. He said, if we, he said look at the ships. They're directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. The tongue is set among the members. It sets on fire. It ignites the course of our life. So we know in verse 3, 4, and 6, he's talking about the tongue. He's talking about the tongue. James 3, what you say. Next slide. The we. We put the bit into the horse's mouth so that it obeys us. We direct the entire body. The pilot desires where the ship goes. The tongue is set among our members. It sets on fire and ignites our life. We pilot our lives with our tongue. Your tongue. Because out of the abundance of the, the mouth speaks. Good heart, bad heart. Good heart. Out of the abundance of your good heart, your mouth speaks. Next slide. I set the course of my life with my words. Wow. John, you just wandered into scary territory. This is like word of life stuff. Right? Hmm. Some of you are getting a little nervous. He's talking word of life stuff. He's talking name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. If you had a child, if you adopted a child and it was abused, 
and you know this child was abused, you said to yourself, the best way that I can help this child is I'm just going to leave it alone and isolate it. It's been abused, and so I'm just not going, in fear of ab not abusing it, I'm going to set it by itself alone. How good is that? The only way to really help that child is show it authentic love. We have a lot of movements that come and go in Christianity. And sometimes when you get just a hint or a little whisper of some of them, we go running in the opposite direction. And we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we forsake everything. You know, the word of life movement is not bad. Are there extremes? Yes. Is the whole thing corrupt? No. You go in, you take the stuff that applies to you, and you move on. There's lots of movements out there. There was a lot of weirdness with the deliverance movement. Throw the whole thing out. If we throw out every movement, we're going to be left with nothing. The only way to really handle movements is to look for the authentic. What is God authentically really doing? I set the course of my life with my words. My words have power. What I say about myself, what I think about myself, and what I say about myself has power. And so many of us are so busy sabotaging ourselves. Myself first and foremost. Sabotaging myself. In the morning, it starts in the morning when I get out of bed. Oh, I got to go to work today. Oh, this guy came back from vacation. I don't think I can face him. I got to go to that stupid meeting. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to do the same thing today I did yesterday. And the cycle begins. I set the course of my life with my words. He's given us, look, how did God create the heavens and the earth? He spoke, right? And we want to co-labor with God, right? We say that a lot, right? How does God create? He speaks. Now, if you don't want to do that, you and him are incompatible, uncompatible. He doesn't build like you do, and he's not about to change. He wants you to build like he does. How does he build? He speaks it. He says that he calls out the things that are not as if they are. Right? And we need to be a people that do the same thing. Next slide. No good tree bears bad fruit. This is Jesus. It should be in red. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns nor grapes picked from brambles. A good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces or brings forth good. The evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You've heard this. Out of the abundance of your good heart, your good mouth is going to speak. You can trust your heart. I'm trying to tell you that this morning. You can trust your heart. It's not desperately wicked. God remade you. Right? So you can start speaking. It's okay. It's okay. You can start speaking. I give you permission because your heart's good because God gave it to you. Here's another one. Huge. Again, we quote it nauseum. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. We will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Repeat after me. Death and life, Death and life. are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it We'll eat its fruit. Let's try it again. I'm going to change it. 
Life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's try it again. I'm going to change it again. Life is in the power of my tongue. And I love it, and I will eat its fruit. Now, some of you, I can tell you, I'm starting to lose you. You're getting a little scared here. Life is in the power of your tongue. You should be speaking life over yourself, first and foremost, and over people around you and your brothers and sisters. You can speak life. Jesus said, the, the, it is the spirit who gives life. The, fre- the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Who are you supposed to grow up to become like? Who are you supposed to grow up to become like? What does he speak? Spirit and life. What are you supposed to speak? Spirit and life. How does God create? How do you create? Wow. We got there. Praise God. We got there, Joy. This is good. Last slide. Tony Robbins said, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and start being excited about what could go right. You're in church. There's a whole lot of people in this building that believe the same stuff that you do. You can speak life over these people. So now when you go back to the picnic area, (laughs) you can actually talk to each other. What am I supposed to say? Well, you could start with speaking spirit and life. You know, somewhere it says, um, from therefore, from now on, we see no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Right? You see no man according to the flesh. He's in, every man's a new creation. Right? That's how we see each other. We see each other after the spirit, not after the flesh. And we start speaking. We start with this. This is your fodder. This is your fodder right here. You're going to speak life over people, and you're going to find lots of good stuff in here to do it with. Right? You heard me say some of it. We're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed in the field. God surrounds me. This is my new one right now. (sighs) Psalm 512. God surrounds me with his favor like a sheep. Every morning, I say that verse now. God, you surround me with your favor like a shield, and your goodness and kindness is over me. I walk in favor. I walk in blessing. I have no lack. You know I have no lack in my life? I guess I, where's it, right? I have no lack because God promised he'd supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. All my needs, all my need, anything I need, he said he would provide. Therefore, I have no lack. Whatever I need, God will provide. Because he said it. He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Right? In summary, and I'm done. You do not have a desperately wicked heart. You have a good heart. God created that heart. And when you came to know Jesus Christ, he took out the heart of stone and he put into you a heart of flesh. And he wrote on that heart. He said, remember Hebrews? He's going to write on that heart. You have a good heart. And out of the abundance of that good heart, you can speak. And you can speak spirit and you can speak life. And you set the course of your life. 
You set the course of your life with your words. How many have ever received a prophetic word? Were they good? Yes. Do you speak them over yourself? Do you speak them over yourself? Yes. Good place to start. Father, you said, you said, you said, Father, that you'd redirect pipes so that blessing would come to me from many areas, Lord. You said that you were rearranging so that would flow to me from many areas, blessing and resource, Father. I speak it back to you. I say yes and amen. I agree with that. Father, I need that in my life, right? I need that, Desiree. I need that. So, Father, I speak. Move the pipes. Point them right on top of me. Let it come. Speak it out. Jesus said, if you say to the mountain, be cast up and move. If you speak to the fig tree, right? You got to get this thing working for you. Your heart and your tongue are your greatest allies. Your heart and your tongue are your greatest allies. Let them start working for you. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's message. We pray that you experience God's presence and encouragement, grow in a healthy community, and influence your world. For more information, contact newhopecom.org.